Hi, you're listening to Koldodi Messianic Congregation's weekly podcast. Join us in person for our weekly Shabbat services every Saturday at 11 a.m. We meet at 3534 West End Avenue in Nashville, Tennessee. For more information, visit our website at koldodi.org or follow us on Facebook and watch us live at facebook.com forward slash Nashville. And now, here's Rabbi Ken's latest message. Praise the Lord. Father, we pray you open our eyes to behold wonderful things from your word. Gal enai ba'avitan ifraot metorah techa. We pray b'shem Yeshua. And here's a new prayer. She's throwing so much Hebrew at you today. Here's another one I want to start using. Before we read the word of God, before we hear the message each week, whatever message it might be, turn to my reproof. Let's say this together. Turn to my reproof. Turn. Surely I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make known my words to you. Let's say it. Turn to my reproof. Surely I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make known my words to you. Yes, Lord, we pray that. To shuvu letuchachti hine avia lachem ruchi. Lord, pour out your... Surely I will pour out my spirit, your promise, Lord, on us, Lord. Hine avia lachem ruchi. Lord, Lord, you'll make known your words to us, Lord. That's what we pray, Lord, as we turn to your reproof. B'Shem Yeshua. Amen Amen. So what a beautiful promise. These are promises. I, these are things I have written in my early Bible that I would always pray before I'd read the scriptures. I don't know about you, but these are promises I would always pray and uh, trust God for. Numbers chapter twenty. 3, 24, 25, we're in that. 23, actually, actually 22. This is Parsha Balak, Parsha Balak. And so it starts in chapter 22. So if you want to turn over there in your Bible, Numbers 22. <clears throat> and uh, so in this week's Parsha, we read about a talking donkey. And I have to admit, I still haven't seen Shrek. How many have seen Shrek? I haven't, still haven't seen it. Uh, is it good? It's really good. I, I need to see it. But what about a talking dog? Now, I mentioned this last year, but I'm going to mention it again. A dog in Israel, but I'm changing the names. A dog in Israel named Yitzchak was so smart that his master, Chaim, decided to send him to college. Home for vacation, Chaim asked him how the college was going. Well, said Yitzchak, the dog, I'm not doing so well in science and math, but I've made a lot of progress in foreign languages. Really, said Chaim, say something in a foreign language. Meow, said Yitzchak. All right, but I really like this one about the dog and the bird. Are you ready? Old Mrs. Spielman lived alone except for her dog and her bird. One day, Mrs. Spielman's dishwasher stopped working, so she called a repairman. Since she had to spend her day, the day at her daughter's house the next day, she told the repairman, I'll leave the key under the mat. Fix the dishwasher, 
Leave the bill on the counter, and I'll mail you a check. By the way, don't worry about my Rottweiler. He won't bother you. But whatever you do, do not, under any circumstances, talk to my parrot. I repeat, do not talk to my parrot. (laughs) When the repairman arrived at Mrs. Spielman's apartment the following day, he discovered the biggest, meanest-looking Rottweiler he'd ever seen. But just as he had said, the dog just, just as she had said, the dog just lay there on the carpet watching the repairman go about his work. The parrot, however, drove him nuts the whole time with his incessant yelling and name-calling. Finally, the repairman couldn't contain himself any longer and he yelled, Shut up, you dumb, ugly bird! To which the parrot replied, replied Get him, Spike! <laughs> That's the end of my sermon. Okay, no, it's just, I haven't told jokes for a while, so I just had to tell, I thought that one's just really funny. Okay, because we're in a talking, about a talking donkey. This is a miracle, a talking donkey. This is a very unusual parasha. This one, it's a narrative of an attempt to curse the Jewish people. And here's the verse, if you remember nothing else, this is our verse we want to remember. Francis showed it to me yesterday, and I said, I didn't even have this in, my, uh, in, in this section for today, and it's a perfect verse for it. Isaiah 54, 17, she mentioned it earlier. No weapon formed against you will what? Prosper. And you will, con- this is TLV, you will condemn every tongue that rises up against you in judgment. No weapon that's formed against you will prosper, and every tongue that rises up against you in judgment you will condemn or you will judge. This is the heritage of the Adonai's servants because their vindication is from me. This is, declares the Lord. What a promise in Isaiah for Israel and for us in Isaiah 54, 17, and boy, does it apply to this passage, this story we're reading about today. This narrative is an attempt to curse the Jewish people as told entirely, listen, through the vantage point of their enemies, through their, the, the viewpoint of their enemies. Rabbi Nightingale in Florida, I love his writings, he likens it to this. He says, we suddenly find ourselves tuning into Al Jazeera and getting their take on things, kind of like the Netflix series Fauda, where, and I, I don't know about you, I've seen all three seasons. Fauda, and I think there's a fourth season that was just released in Israeli. Actually, uh, Alejandro's brothers told us, told me when I was there, he told me, he says, fourth season's released. Where, for the first time, we see things from the viewpoint of Hamas and other Palestinians in Arabic, no less. Petrified of the Jewish nation moving en masse toward his country, hearing of the success and power, the King Balak of Moab fears that his nation will be overrun, and so he attempts to enlist the service of the number one Gentile prophet, Bilam, to utilize his spiritual powers to curse the Jews. Now, Bilam, it's pronounced actually Bilam, Bilam, was one of the worst persons one could be, the opposite of Abraham in rabbinic literature and in biblical literature as well. He's a local non-Israelite Transjordanian prophet and seer 
hired to curse Israel into oblivion. A pretender, a phony, maybe, serving two masters, really. Both Balak and Balaam are relentless in their pursuit of pain and gain, winning and wages. They gotta, he wants to make money. Cursing and covetousness. Despite God's merciful attempts to, at stopping them through the sword-bearing angel and the obedient donkey. Now, it's ironic that Balak has the clarity to realize that physical might alone will not succeed against the Jewish people. He understands that God is the source of Israel's triumph and must therefore battle them on their own turf. He realizes that. It's interesting because we're not fighting a natural battle, are we? Are we? 2 Corinthians 10 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly, but powerful through God for the tearing down of strongholds. Right? Or Ephesians 6.12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of Wickedness in in the heavenly realm. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Now, Rabbi Nightingale says this, What is striking through the parasha is the persistence and single-mindedness of both Balak and Balaam to do harm to the Jewish nation. Balaam is told by God not to take part in Balak's enterprise and is forced to tell Balak's messengers as much. But when Balak persists, Balaam begs and pleads with God much the way a little kid badgers his parents until they relent. And like a parent, God responds with an, okay, but you would think that the stubborn and talking donkey, along with an angel blocking Balaam's path to Balak, would dissuade Balaam and convince him of God's unhappiness with his choice. But Bilam does not pick up on it, on the not-so-subtle hint, and keeps pressing to meet Balak so he can curse Israel and get paid handsomely for it. Can you imagine that? This is what happens. Balak is just as relentless as he tries every which way to get Bilam to curse the Israelites, but Bilam can only parrot what God tells him. He is confined. He has to say what God tells tells him to say. Try and try and try they, as they do to curse. Only blessing comes forth from Balaam's mouth per God's prophecies. Three times does Balak try to bribe a curse out of Balaam, and not only are they not forthcoming, but Balaam gratuitously adds another wonderful prophecy about Israel. It's amazing. And so, We Jewish people are often completely oblivious to the machinations and designs of many leaders and nations who try to hurt and curse us. Time and again, God foils their plans without us even knowing what danger lurked. We go about our affairs in ignorant bliss while God protects us over and over again from the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, he says and plots from nations of the world who look to undermine us. And how true this is, just as true for believers, for you and I, isn't it? 
for all of us. God is protecting us. All the Psalms, you're my shield round about me and my glory and the lifter up of my head. Lord, and I'm not even aware of it, how God is off, has protecting me so many times from the enemies. Or Psalm 18, you're my rock. And Psalm 90, 27 and Psalm 91, you're my rock and my fortress and my strong tower and you're my, my sukkah and you hi, I'm hiding in you. And Lord, God is protecting us. God is fighting off the arrows and, the, and we don't even realize it so many times that he's doing it. Rabbi uh, Nightingale says, one can only imagine the endless talk and evil plans that go on in Iran, Gaza, all over Arab nations and their enablers, such as the leftist, leftist elite of Europe in their hatred of Israel and their plans for her demise. Like Balak and Balaam, they persistently attempt to hurt God's chosen people, thankfully to no avail for the most part. And that is largely due to the invisible iron domes that protect Israel and stop most attempts without us even knowing that they took place. God reigns supreme. The Lord reigns. Adonai reigns over all, including the most powerful non-Israelite prophet in this case. As we look at this story, ten times is mentioned Malach Adonai. Let's say Malach Adonai. That's the angel of the Lord, Malach Adonai, ten times in verses 22 through 25 of chapter 22. Ten times. He's the messenger, the angel of the Lord. He appears. And now Rabbi Sachs, the late Rabbi Sachs of England says, why did God first tell Balaam not to go and then that he should go? And then he was angry that he went. Evidently, God could read his mind and knew that Balaam did really want to curse the Israelites. We know this because later, after the attempt to curse the Israelites failed, Balaam succeeded in causing them harm, advising the Midianites to get their women to seduce the Israelite men, thus provoking the anger of God. We know that from Numbers 31.16. Balaam was no friend of the Israelites. And that's why he's mentioned in a very negative light terribly in other passages of Scripture. Micah 6.5 says, My people remember now what Balak did to the uh, king of Moab counseled and what Balaam the son of Beor answered him, that you may know the righteousness of the Lord. Second Peter in the New Covenant 2, 15 and 16, They have gone astray. They have followed the way of Balaam the son of Beor, who loved the wages of wickedness. He received rebuke for his own wrongdoing. A dumb donkey spoke with a man's voice and put a stop to the prophet's madness. Or Jude 1.11 mentions Balaam's error. It's also mentioned in um, uh, Revelation 2. God had a different message for Balaam himself, and it was very blunt. If you think you can control God, then, says God, I will show you that I can turn a donkey into a prophet and a prophet into a donkey. Your animal will see angels to which you yourself are blind. And so we see in chapter 22, verse 23, when the donkey saw the angel of God. It's down in, it's so we, again, it's a, long, it's a long story and we can't read through the whole passage, but when the, the verse 22 when the anger of the Lord burned because he was going, the anger, 
angel of the Lord stood in the road to oppose him. And when the donkey saw the angel of the, the Lord standing in the road with his drawn sword in his hand, the donkey turned off the road and went to the field. Can you imagine it? The donkey saw the angel and the man didn't. The prophet didn't. Is it possible for an animal to see a spiritual dimension better than a human being? Evidently it is. Happened here. And I wonder, have we ever missed seeing an angel? Have we ever missed seeing angels? And maybe animals can even see, perceive them when we haven't. We need to allow God to open our eyes. We need to be open to God. We can be blind. We can be controlled by the feelings of others rather than the word of God. We can want to control God to get him to do what pleases us rather than submitting to him and letting him direct and call the shots. We can have blind spots, big blind spots. Bilam certainly did here. The donkey, seeing the mighty angel, turns off the road into the field. Then he crushes Bilam's foot against the wall between two vineyards, then lays down with the angel in front of the narrow, a narrow path with no place to turn. Bilam beats his donkey each time, each time for these maneuvers, to, for which the donkey finally speaks to him, protests to him. He says, and God's sense of humor is here. Frustrated and frustrating and humiliating Balaam even while protecting him through the donkey. The angel of the Lord says to Balaam in verse, chapter 22, verse 35, go with the men, but speak only the word that I tell you. So Balaam went, it says. Balaam went with him. And... <clears throat> with Balak's princes. And Balak, Balaam said to Balak, can I just say anything? I must speak only the message which God puts into my mouth. And so Balaam will proceed at God's directive to speak only what he puts in his mouth towards the people of Israel. Balak will accept, expect him to curse Israel but throughout four oracles, and that's what there are, there are four oracles throughout these, several, these few chapters, he will end up only blessing them and speaking future words of prophecy regarding even the promised Messiah of Israel, the promised king. Do, does anyone know where that prophecy is? Beautiful messianic prophecy. It's chapter 24, verse 17. 24, 17 where he says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob. A scepter shall rise out of Israel. He sees the Messiah as a vision in the, in, the, in the prophecy. God is sovereign, overriding the evil intent of the fearful heathen king and the covetous craving of a pagan prophet. The prophet's words boomerang and curse Israel's enemies instead while blessing Israel, despite the attempts of the king to stop his words. Listen to Balaam's words, which God spoke through him despite him towards Israel. Verse, chapter 23, verse 19, 
21, 19 through 21 and 23. God is not a man who lies or a son of man who changes his mind. Does he speak and then not do it or promise and not fulfill it? Look, I have received a command to bless. He is blessed. I cannot change it. No misfortune is to be seen in Jacob and no misery in Israel. Adonai, their God, is with them. The king's shout is among them. There is no sorcery effective against Jacob, nor div any divination against Israel. Now it will be said of Jacob and Israel, see what God has done. Ma pa'al el. See what God has done. Let's say ma pa'al el. Ma pa'al el. See what God has done. Praise the Lord. See what he's done. No weapon that is formed against you will prosper. Every tongue that rises up against you, I will condemn. You will condemn, says the Lord. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. If you feel that the enemy is trying to curse you through circumstances or people, remember what God did for Israel and trust him to turn the curse into a blessing for you. The devil definitely attempts to curse whom God has blessed. Numbers 22.12, you shall not go with them, he said. You shall not curse the people, for they are blessed. Behold, I've received a command in verse 20 and 21 of chapter 23 to bless. He has blessed, and I cannot reverse it. He has not observed iniquity in Jacob. Kind of reminds me of Romans chapter 8. He says, if God is for us, who can be against us? It's not that we're righteous in ourselves. It's not that we're perfect people. We're far from it. It's not that we deserve it. We don't. It's a matter of the Messiah's finished work. It's a Messiah, the Messiah's grace. It's a matter of what he's done for us in Messiah and that we are in him. And God says, I'm for you. I have placed you in my son. I have... Uh, saved you. I have rescued you. You are mine. You are not the, the victim of the enemy. He says, I have received commandment to bless. He is blessed and I cannot reverse it. He has not observed iniquity in, Israel, in Jacob. God says, I haven't observed it. The Lord is with him and the shout of the king is among them. Acts 5.39, but if it is of God, you will not be able to stop them. You might even be found fighting against God. Acts 5.39. Now the word curse Kalala, let's say kalala, that's the word, kalala, that's the root. The word curse means to make insignificant, to make light, of light weight, basic, of little value. Basically, to curse is make something of no value, of little value. You curse something, you make it insignificant. Blessing, bracha, let's say bracha, okay, it's the opposite. Blessing is just the opposite, to make successful. Uh, you know, the word... Uh, when we bend our, the word knee is berech, berech in Hebrew. Uh, you, you learn parts of the body, berech. And so, and so when you bend your knee, it's the knee, the joint that propels you going forward. It's humility also. But anyway, it's because you bend your knee to bow before God. But the knee is going forward. So it's the idea of success, going forward, and, you, you know, importance. Blessing is God blesses us. God makes us successful. God makes us important. Uh, and that's blessing. Bracha, cursing, makes of no, insignificant, just the opposite. How does God turn a curse into a blessing? 
In Psalm 66, 12, he says, You caused men to ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water. Ba'esh uvamayim. Through fire and through water. Yet you brought us out to super abundance. In, in the Hebrew, it's a place of rivaya, rather. Saturation. A place of total saturation. Through fire and through water. Through a place of saturation. Psalm 66, 12. Beautiful verse. Uh, when you pass through the water in Isaiah 43, 2, I will be with you, or through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, they will not be, you will not be burned, nor will the flame burn you. Do not, in, in verse 18 and 19 of Isaiah 43, do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of the past. Here I am doing a new thing. Now it's springing up. Do you not know about it? I will surely make a way in the desert, rivers in the wasteland. God turns the curse into a blessing. He takes it and turns it, and it, the curses backfire. They boomerang. They hurt and they break the sender when, you're, when the curse is being sent from the cursor. They help and empower the recipient. Just the opposite. Balaam's four art, uh, oracles with prophecies function in reverse, blessing Israel and cursing her enemies. No weapon that's formed against you will prosper against you, Israel. But every tongue that rises up against you in judgment, no weapon formed against you prosper. Every, you will condemn every tongue that rises up against you in judgment. This is the heritage of Adonai's servants. Their vindication is from me. Numbers 23:11, he says, I took you, I took you to curse my enemies, and look, you have blessed them bountifully. Numbers 24.10, I called you to curse my enemies. And look, he's so upset. He says, you have blessed, bountifully blessed them these three times. So frustrating. Deuteronomy 23, verses 4 and 5, because they hired against you Bilam, the son of Beor from Pethor of Mesopotamia, to curse you. Nevertheless, the Lord God would not listen to Bilam. But the Lord our God turned the curse into a blessing for you. Because the Lord your God loves you. What a promise. And again in Joshua 24, 9 and 10, God says, I would not listen to Balaam. Therefore, he continued to bless you. And so I delivered you out of his hand. God is faithful. The Lord of hosts has purposed. And who will annul it in Isaiah 40, 14, verse 27? Who will annul it? His hand is stretched out. And who will turn it back? God is turns a curse into a blessing. Mentions it again, by the way, in Nehemiah chapter 13, verse 2. And, uh, and uh, God's purpose will stand. So we thank you, Lord, for this amazing story. Thank you for this beautiful, these four oracles and the story and the hand, your hand on Israel, Lord. We thank you for your power over, over a... Uh, this Transjordanian prophet, Lord, to put your words even in his mouth to bless Israel, Lord. And we thank you for your hand to bless your people here, Lord, to bless each one here. Bless your people, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you're for us and not against us. We thank you, Lord, because of Yeshua, because of the, the blood of Messiah, because of his finished work in John, John 19.30, because we are justified by faith, we have peace with God 
through him in Romans 5.1. We thank you, Lord, because, that you, because of everything you have done. We, we're grateful. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Romans 8.33 and 34, height or depth or any other created thing because of Yeshua, we, because of the love of God that's in Messiah. Nothing can separate us from you, Lord. We're grateful. We thank you. Lord, help us to see, Lord, the invisible. Help us to see you. Help us to not be stubborn. Help us to not be stupid like uh, these two were. Help us to not be bought out by, like, they, like uh, Bilam was. Help us to not be uh, wanting to govern by, what we, by, by, by something other than uh, you, your will, and wanting to do your will, not to be foolish. Help us to see, have our eyes open to be able to see what you're doing, to see an angel, if there's an angel, Lord, to see the spiritual dimensions, Lord, and, um, and to be able to hear your voice, Lord, that you don't have to speak to us through a donkey. <laughs> um, Lord, we want to be responsive to you and directed by you, Lord. And we're just grateful to you today. We're grateful. If you've never trusted Yeshua, you've never opened your heart up and, and be, be, become a part of God's become God's child, God's son, or God's daughter. God loves you, and God wants you to be a part of his family. Open up your heart and just call upon the name of the Lord. The Bible says you will become his son or daughter right now by calling upon Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, and say, I want you, Lord. I want to know you. I want my sins forgiven. I want a new start. Come into my life. Give me this new start today, Lord God. Come into my life. I, I, I turn to you. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Give me a new start. I receive Yeshua. Thank you for dying for me. And if you're praying that prayer, please, uh, please talk with someone afterwards. He's done it. He, you're brand new. It's a new birth. Come and pray with someone after service. Come and write us. Uh, contact us if you're watching online. And uh, praise the Lord. Let's stand. We're going to close in the Aaronic benediction. <laughs> Ya era Adonai panave lecha v'yichudnecha. Yesa Adonai panave lecha v'yesem lecha shalom. B'shem Yeshua HaMashiach sar ha-shalom. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai, turn his face toward you and grant you his shalom. In the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, the ruler of peace, amen. Shabbat shalom. God bless you.